Find your copy of the scripture and turn with me back to uh, the book of Hebrews. The Lord willing, we will close Hebrews out today because uh, in just a few weeks after our Mission in Action Sunday, I will be, in, be doing a topical series on why evil, dealing with the problem of evil and suffering in the world, which is the number one question that unbelievers ask of us. How do we deal with that issue? So we'll be talking about that beginning September the 15th. Would you stand for the reading of God's Word, please? And we're going to pick up reading in verse 7, and we will read down through verse 21. The writer of Hebrews says, Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the Word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods, which have not benefited those devoted to them. We have an altar from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy places by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside the camp. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore... Let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. Through him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Pray for us, for we are sure that we have a clear conscience desiring to act honorably in all things. I urge you the more earnestly to do this in order that I may be restored to you the sooner. Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Father, speak to our hearts through your word. Lord, we thank you for the message of the book of Hebrews that Christ is better. That we need to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord and have no substitutes whatsoever for Him. Because only Christ satisfies. As Jesus told the woman at the well that He would be like an artesian well springing up inside of her. Lord, we thank you that you're that refreshing water. And you're that bread that sustains us. 
And so I pray that in our daily lives, we would be satisfied in you. Because if we have you, then we have all we need. We thank you for that blessed truth. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now folks, depending on what translation of the Bible that you use... You will find the word remember mentioned somewhere between 148 and 168 times in the scripture. In both the Old and the New Testament. Clearly there are things that God wants us to remember. Now, some of the notable occurrences of remembering would be that passage that Jonathan read a few moments ago during the time of singing out of Deuteronomy chapter 8. Moses is reviewing for the children of Israel before they cross uh, cross the Jordan and go into the promised land under Joshua. Moses is reviewing for them some some of the things that God would have them to remember. And he tells them that once they get into the promised land and they have built their homes and built their businesses and their their flocks and herds are growing, their fields are producing and everything is going well for them in their lives, they need to make sure that they remember that it is God who has done that. It's not them, it's God. And he told them, if you forget this, then I will bring the curses on you and the destruction on you that I said that I would do to the other nations around you. And so again, they were to remember and give God credit for everything they had in their lives. And then in the New Testament... Paul, writing to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, says, Timothy, you and the church, you need to remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead. We serve a Savior who lives. Amen? He's alive. And so these are just some examples of things that we need to remember. Now here in Hebrews 13... The writer wants them to also remember some very critical things for their continued spiritual growth. Now I want you to keep in mind that their world was shifting. They were facing stiff opposition like never before. They were facing even persecution because of their faith in Jesus Christ. In such a context, he wants them to remember some things in order that their spiritual footing can remain on solid ground. Now this is a chapter that has great application for the church today. We've seen, for example, that they are to continue to love one another even when it would be easy to turn on one another for personal gain. They are to be hospitable to strangers. They are to remember those who are in prison for the sake of the gospel or those who are in any kind of bondage for any reason. They are to keep marriage Pure and sacred in a pagan world where all kinds of immorality was going on. Christians were not to act that way. 
And they're to be content with what they have in life and not to be driven. They are not to be driven by their desire for money and possessions. Now, folks, you don't get much more 2019 than those admonitions right there. And you know what? It just shows that while people change through the years and through generations... And idolatry changes the types of idols that we have. We're still idolaters, sadly, in many ways. But while all of that changes in many ways, people at heart stay pretty much the same. We struggle with the same things. That's why Solomon, writing in Ecclesiastes, said what? He said, there's nothing new under the sun. Now today we're going to see how he continues to admonish them about some very practical ethical matters. Ethics grows out of theology. First comes theology, what you believe. And then comes behavior. And that's what he's pointing out here. The first thing I want you to see that he has to say regarding this of how conduct is going to be affected by what we believe, he says that they are to remember and imitate. Look at verse 7. He says, Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God, consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Now, he may be thinking here of leaders in a couple of different categories in their lives. On the one hand, there are those leaders that we all read about from the past. He went over many of their names in Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 is known as the roll call of faith. And there were men and women in chapter 11 that we all continue to study today in our Bible study time. We look at men and women like Abraham and Sarah. We look at people like Jacob and Joseph and Rahab and Deborah and Elijah and Elisha. The the list just goes on and on and on. As I said to you back when, when we were covering chapter 11, your favorite Bible character probably shows up in chapter 11 of the book of Hebrews. These are leaders who continue to speak to us today from the pages of Scripture. And he's calling on them to remember the lives of these individuals and to continue to be inspired by what these people believed. The way they put their biblical faith, their biblical belief system into practice in their lives, the way they lived for God, he's saying, should serve as an inspiration for me and you today. You know, that's one of the valuable things about doing character studies in the Bible. Anytime you do a character study in the Bible. By the way, on Wednesday nights we're going through Genesis and we've been talking about Jacob. Jacob's name meant deceiver. He was a trickster. He was a heel grabber. And then after he wrestled with the angel of the Lord all night, God changed his name from Jacob to Israel. Israel meaning one who has 
who has striven with God and prevailed, or, or one who has wrestled with God and prevailed. Some think it means prince with God. But God did an amazing change in Jacob's life. There are wonderful things that we learn today. This past week, we started looking at the life of Joseph. And we're going to come to chapter 50 in Genesis where Joseph tells his brothers, what you meant for evil in my life, God used for good. What's my point? My point is, just what he's saying to them here, we can learn a great deal when we study these previous leaders. When we look at their lives and the outcome of their faith, they continue to serve as an inspiration to us today. Paul said to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 10 that, All of these stories in the Old Testament continue to serve as examples examples for us today. And so these characters have a modern day application to us. He says, remember, remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God, consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. You know, today... Tragically, we tend to value only the present. What we see and hear and can touch and feel right now. But we need to value these saints who have gone before and remember their lives and remember their struggles and what they have to say to us today. Well, on top of these previous leaders... He's probably also referring to some of their current leaders. And by using the past tense, by saying who spoke to you the word of God, the presumption is that some of these have died for their faith in Jesus. Some of them have died and some of them have been put in prison. But again, the writer wants his audience to take note of their lives and to imitate them. You know, we also have the faulty assumption today that we're supposed to only value or imitate the good. Good things that we see in people's lives. Not their struggles, not their trials, but only their victories. But he's reminding us here that some of these leaders paid dearly for their faith. They suffered and we are to value that and we are to imitate that. Now why in the world would we want to do that? Why would we want to imitate those who have had to go through trials for their faith? Well, because of what Jesus told us. Jesus said, no one can come after me unless he denies himself picks up his cross and follows me. Now think about that. We live in a day and age where people want to express themselves. But Jesus said in order to be his disciple, you've got to deny yourself. He says, pick up your cross and follow him. A cross was an instrument of death. A cross wasn't a nice, shiny piece of jewelry that you would wear around your neck. It was an instrument of death. It was an ugly thing. But Jesus reminded us, you have a cross to carry. These earlier saints, they had a cross to carry. 
but you have one too. And so when you read about their lives and you see how they carried their cross and how they were faithful, guess what? That's going to give you strength and inspiration to be able to carry your own cross. It's kind of funny today the way we talk about carrying our cross. Somebody may say, oh, you know what, this, this uh, semester I'm going to have a really tough teacher in science. I guess that's just my cross to bear. Or, or my best friend has bad breath. I guess hanging around him or her, that's just my cross to bear. Folks, things like that are not your cross to bear. A cross to bear refers to how you will die to yourself for the sake of the gospel and for the sake of Jesus Christ. What he's saying is that we need to imitate those who have suffered for the sake of the gospel. I would say to you and me today that if our Christian lives are always too easy and always too comfortable and everything, everybody likes what we stand for, you know what? That might be a sign to us that we are compromising the gospel and compromising the claims of Christ on our life. Jesus said, beware if all men speak well of you. Jesus even mentioned you might have enemies in your own household. Now, folks, I'm not saying you try to purposely be offensive. The gospel is offensive in and of itself to a man-centered age. Because Jesus is an offense if we truly follow in the steps of Jesus, we likewise will be an offense to some people. Just think about it for a moment. Jesus affirmed that the Bible is God's word. And anything it speaks about, it speaks authoritatively. If you take that position today, do you think everybody's going to embrace you or agree with that? Certainly not. Jesus affirmed purity in one's life, holiness in one's life. How's that going to go down today with a promiscuous culture? Jesus affirmed characters in the Bible like Jonah, that Jonah was really uh, swallowed by a great fish or a whale. The world laughs at that today. Jesus affirmed what you and I refer to as biblical or traditional marriage. If you stand for what Jesus stood for in marriage, is the world going to like you? No. Jesus affirmed that you can't save yourself by by being good enough. How do you think your friends are going to accept that? My point is, you don't have to be purposely an offense to the gospel. Just follow Jesus, obey him, and you're going to be an offense. He says, remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Follow their example. Consider the outcome of their lives. The outcome of their lives wasn't always good in the eyes of the world. Are you ready to walk in their shoes? If your desire is to be well-liked and comfortable all the time, then consider this. You may not be ready to follow Jesus. 
Do you have lines in the sand that you draw and you say, that's too much. I won't cross over that line and become hated. You may not be ready to follow Jesus. The Apostle Paul was put in prison. Multiple times, finally died. Simon Peter was crucified upside down. John, the beloved apostle, was exiled to the Isle of Patmos. In fact, early church tradition tells us that just about all of those original apostles suffered horrible deaths because they followed Jesus. Remember these folks. Remember the outcome of their lives. Remember that your faith is not always going to be easy. You're swimming against the current in the world. And this is not unusual. We're not to think this strange. We're not to think this odd. I like what I heard Dr. John Piper say this week. He said, and I quote here, If we think everything is happy and cheerful, and we even want to come into church, and everything's got to be positive and uplifting and cheery and happy and gleeful, the God of the Bible cannot survive in that kind of environment. Wow. Think about that statement that he made. The God of the Bible cannot survive in that kind of environment. What's he saying? Is he saying the eternal, the eternal God of the Bible can't survive? No, that's not what he's saying at all. He's saying the God of the Bible cannot fit into our mold of everything being happy and cheerful and positive and comfortable and good all the time. Our mindset is wrong. Our expectations are wrong. The biblical mindset is that you and I, as we live for Jesus, as we live right side up in an upside down world, there are times that we're going to have to face opposition, maybe even hatred. Are you ready for that? The Jesus of the Bible may not have you enjoy 2.4 kids with a neighborhood where everybody has the house of their dreams. Their kids go to the colleges of their dreams. You get all the promotions of your dreams. You never get sick. You never have to face hardship. The preacher always finishes his sermon within 37 minutes or less. The temperature in the church is always to your liking. The choir nailed it with all of your favorite songs. God would never ask you to give sacrificially. The Church activities are always so much fun and entertaining and the list goes on and on and on. Is that your Jesus? If so, it's an idol. It's not the real thing. He says, remember and imitate the real thing. Read about the real disciples in the Bible and follow them. What about... Examples that you know of today, godly men and women that when you look at their lives, you say, boy, I want to be like them. 
follow those examples. Remember them and imitate them. Even if in the eyes of the world they didn't have a quote unquote good outcome. Let me encourage you to do a few character studies in the Bible. To kind of put feet to this. When we talk about remembering and imitating the the leaders of the past. Do some character studies. Let's say you do a study on Daniel. Write down some principles about Daniel's life and how he was swimming upstream and and how he had to stand alone sometimes in the midst of a hostile environment. Write down things you notice. Have a notepad with your Bible study and write down things about characters such as Daniel and then incorporate those principles into your prayer life. Make a connection between your prayer life and your Bible reading. If Daniel lived a no compromising type of life, say, God, help me to live that way. Make the connection in your prayer life to things you read about in the Bible. But study these people. Study their lives. Study the outcome of their their faith. And imitate them. Imitate them. Secondly, he wants them to remain planted Remain planted. Pick up reading with me in verse 8. He says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings. For it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods which have not benefited those devoted to them. We have an altar from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy place, places by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin, are burned outside the camp. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. His point here is that Jesus doesn't change. Everything around them is changing, but Jesus never changes. He's dependable. People today want to measure everything by what we want or what we like. We may want a Jesus who allows any way to God. We want a Jesus who would never ask me to do such and such if it's out of my comfort zone. We want a Jesus who would never expect repentance from sin in my life. What does he say here though? That's not the Jesus you find in the Bible. And the Jesus in the Bible is the same yesterday, today, and forever. How God acted in the lives of the saints in the past is how God acts in your life and my life today. He's trying to point out here, God is not a moving target. God is eternally the same. And what that means for me and what that means for you is you can build your life upon him. You can trust him. He's not a moving target. If he said it, you can take it to the bank. You can trust it because God is eternal God. Even the wind and the waves obeyed him. He has authority over life. He has authority over death. He has authority over illness, whether he 
Whether he cures it right now or not, he has authority over sin. He has the power to forgive. He never changes. He's not one way today and some entirely different way tomorrow. Folks, he's wanting them to see in a very unstable world, a very uncertain world, we have a stable foundation. Jesus is a rock. He's a refuge. He's a tower of strength. He's a present help in time of trouble, just like the psalmist said. They're being hammered all around them today, all around them in their day as, as believers. But Jesus never changes. And so they need to remain planted in him. Nobody argues that the problems of men stay the same across centuries. Who would have ever thought we would be facing some of the things in the culture that we're facing today? But again, Jesus doesn't change. The Word of God doesn't change. You may be be thinking, well, I need something that constantly changes. No, you don't. That's the last thing you need. You need a firm foundation. Folks, when it comes to issues of eternity, when it comes to issues of absolute truth, you need constancy. You need sameness. You need dependability. When the world is coming unglued under your feet, you need to be able to come home at the end of the day and open God's Word and meet with the one who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. promise is you have a God you can trust. You have a God you can trust. And he's not moving the goalpost or what he's calling on his people to do. He's dependable. And so the more you stay planted in him and in his word, the steadier your life is going to be when you back your car out of the driveway every day, going out into a world where nothing stays the same. You're going to have an anchor for your soul. Spiritually speaking, don't go looking for something new. Don't go looking for the newest fad. Dr. Al Mohler, the president of Southern Seminary, said, If it's new, it's false. If it's new, it's false. What he meant by that, spiritual truth and absolutes don't change. What did the prophet Jeremiah say about that? Jeremiah chapter 6 verse 16. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your souls. Do you believe that? I hope you do. Ask for the ancient paths. Now, what he says next might sound like he contradicts that, but not so. You see, they might be saying, but 
But we do want to go back. That's what we want to do. We want to go back to the temple. We want to go back to the old ways. The foods, the altar, the sacrifices that we knew then. For us, that's the ancient paths. But the point of the old covenant is the old covenant always pointed forward to the new covenant. The old covenant didn't end with a period. It ended with a comma waiting on the Messiah to come. He's saying that's what the old covenant's always been about. You can go back to Genesis 3 verse 15. Where you were told that that the serpent would bruise his heel, but he would crush his head. You can go all the way back there to find the gospel. That the gospel of Jesus Christ was always God's plan. Therefore, the writer of Hebrews is saying, you've got to go outside the city. He's speaking in an analogy here. You've got to go outside of Jerusalem and the temple and all that it stood for because now you need to follow Jesus Christ. We don't preach a gospel that says journey to Jerusalem, journey to the temple, which doesn't even exist now, and offer animal sacrifices there. We have a gospel where Jesus said go into all the world and preach the good news about a Savior who lives. Only what is in Christ will last. He's permanent. Everything in the Old Testament was like a shadow pointing forward to him. Now that you have the reality, don't go back to the shadow. He says even this world as you know it is not even your permanent home. Think about that. Even this world. And everything in this world is not your permanent home. Christ was crucified from before the foundation of the world. As we read our Bible, everything before the incarnation of Jesus was intended to lead up to Him. Now that He's come, we need to follow Him. There is no relationship with God apart from Him. There is no permanence apart from Him. There is no foundation apart from Him. Everything is about Jesus. Don't settle for anything less. Don't live for the passing pleasures of this world. Find your life in Jesus. Find contentment in Him. Find your mission for your life and your purpose for your life in him. You know, I think of that study that Ann Graham Lotz did some years ago. Just give me Jesus. And that's what the writer of Hebrews is saying. Just give me Jesus. If you have him, you have everything. So remain planted in him. Nothing else is going to satisfy you. Nothing else is going to remain. Nothing else is going to be constant. But in Christ, you have a rock. 
you have a firm foundation. You might be going through storms in your life. There's no telling what. If we were to list out all the trials people in this church right now might be going through, there's no telling what everybody would be going through. But guess what? Even though he may not erase your trial, he can be a rock for you as you go through that trial. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Well, a third word of admonition he gives them. Closing thoughts on the value of relationships. Look at verse 16 following. He says, Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they're keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. He is reminding them in the church that no man is an island unto himself. God has not called us in the church to live out our faith as Lone Ranger Christians. We need each other. We need each other. And some of them, as they were following Christ, as we've already seen in chapter 10 of Hebrews, they've lost everything. They've lost their homes and their businesses. And they've become destitute simply because they identify with the name of Christ. And you know what he's saying? He's saying when you find brothers and sisters in the Lord in the church who are going through tough times like that, you need to come alongside of them and be kind to them and share with them and help them because you never know when it might be you next. We need to help one another. And then he points out here, in all of life, God gives us leaders. God gives us leaders in all of life. With school starting this week, you've got leaders in schools. You've got leaders in government. You've got leaders in police. He's speaking here of leaders in church. You've got leaders in church. You've got leaders in the home. Folks, leadership is not a bad thing. We all live under authority. God's designed it this way. In 1 Corinthians, the apostle Paul even pointed out that Jesus Christ, though he was equal with the Father, he chose to live under the authority of the Father. So he says, obey and respect your leaders because they're trying to watch after your soul. Any Christian leader I know and certainly any staff member here, to the the best of their ability and my, my ability, any leader in this church is trying to watch after your soul and lead you in the way Christ would have you to go. And he's saying, let us do that with joy, not with groaning. But parents, wherever your kid, wherever they encounter leadership, teach them to respect that. And you yourself model that by living under authority. It's simply the way God has designed things. We need each other. We need each other. So again, 
Keep in mind what he said here. Remember and imitate these leaders that you have. Where the past leaders, like in Hebrews 11, are current leaders. Remember their lives, what they stood for, the outcome of their faith, and imitate them. Remain planted in Jesus Christ and grow in Him. Don't take your eyes off of Him because He's a firm foundation for a world that's shifting and then Live as a community, value and relationships with one another, with your leadership. And then he reminds us in closing this letter that Christ will equip us to do whatever it is that he's called us to do. Christ is always sufficient. He says, May the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do His will. Whatever you need in life to do His will, He'll equip you to do that. I wonder if I'm speaking to somebody this morning who you have turned to other things in your life thinking that those other things are going to be the answer. And again, all through the book of Hebrews, he's been pointing us to Jesus. Don't accept any substitute for Jesus. Is there somebody here this morning you've been trying to have other substitutes for Jesus? Give that up. Nothing will ever give you peace and contentment. By the way, nothing, no one other than Jesus will ever reconcile you to a holy God. There's only one way to God. You need to come to Christ. You need to come to Him. You say, Pastor, I did that years ago. Okay? In a shifting and changing world, have you begun to take your eyes off of Christ? And you need to get back to being rooted and grounded and planted in Him. Do that. Where in your life have you begun to turn away from the authority of Christ and from the authority of the Word of God? Come back underneath that authority. He's a firm foundation. He's a firm foundation. And remember that you need each other in church. There may be somebody here this morning needing a church home. And and just what I've mentioned here about looking after one another's needs, that's an excellent reason because at some point in your life, you're going to need people. You're going to need a spiritual family. We'd love to have you as part of this spiritual family. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that Jesus never fails. Lord, I've met people before who were searching most of their lives for what they eventually and thankfully found in Jesus. And that may be the precise place somebody here is today. They've been looking. And they've been discontent with everything they have in life.
And they know that they need Christ. Give them the courage to come to Christ today. And Lord, as Christians who've already come at some point in the past, remind remind us that daily we need to remain firmly rooted and grounded in Him. The world is changing. There is no permanent fixture in the world. But Jesus can be an anchor. And He will be an anchor amidst all the storms in life that we face. So Lord, I pray for that Christian who would need to say to you this morning, God, forgive me. I've come out from underneath your authority in my life and I need to get back to being rooted and grounded in Christ and in His Word. Give them your peace and give them your strength. And Lord, as a church family, remind us too that we do need each other. It's the way you've designed life to be. And so I pray that we would value healthy relationships in the church. Relationships that in the day of judgment will give you glory. And that will be a testimony to a world that is watching. For it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.